0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Adventures in the Veil, an RPG discussion podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Ross. Sit back and relax by the fire, for there are tales to be told. Come
1: and sit by our fire. May I get you something to drink? Um, yeah. I'll take an i I'll have that right out. Welcome back to the Cozy Crow Tavern. My name is Ross McClure, also known as Mythic Mountains RPG. And here at the Adventures in the Bell Tavern cast, we talk about RPGs. And I'm joined again with my good friend... Jake! Hello. Welcome back, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Glad to be back. Last time we chatted, we were talking about people coming in. Like, we meet people, especially, you're talking people that maybe they don't have a group right nearby, and uh, maybe they don't have, like, a game store. Even if they do have a game store, there's not, like, active groups I know a lot of people in that situation um, and you said yourself that you were in a situation somewhat like that maybe part of it was covid so you met us online and now your hobby has mostly moved online and mine mine has as well so let's say that you're in that that position you're going to get involved in the hobby Uh, let's talk about starting points so uh, a lot of times if you're going to get started Uh, My experience was you just have to be willing to dungeon master. And I believe anybody can do this. And you get the game, and you just start running it. You run it for your friends or your family, and that's how you can start a great game. So let's say that that you're going to do that, and you're going to be a dungeon master, your new dungeon master. What would you say is like the first thing they should do after they intend to start running a game?
0: So, do you have a group already? Or do you not have a group? Well, they're gonna make a group. Okay, so that's the first step. Is make a group. Yeah, first step. First step is making a group. You got, you gotta find find people that you jive with and, and are also excited about your idea. So, I guess that's where I would start is figuring out a way to pitch your idea for the game. This like idea of hey, uh, you no know, three sentences. Tell me what's your game about. Because uh, if your idea of a game it is you know, curse of Strahd, then maybe you have you know a great net that you're throwing of curse of Strahd. A lot of players are familiar with curse of Strahd, 5 e players specifically. But uh, this idea of hey, we're gonna go and you know kill a vampire—that's the whole game. It's really gothic core, you know that kind of uh, thing. A lot of people are familiar with that. But if your thing is uh, much more specific, uh, like in the OSR, is very niche, or if you're like literally running a homebrew game. Uh, you, you sometimes need some time to uh, develop a pitch and, like, how are you going to convey your idea quickly and thoroughly? That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I guess um, it's, it's funny. I, I wasn't thinking like that. I wasn't thinking, like, what's the first thing you do to communicate the game? <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's, but that's true. Like, how do you tell your friends... That either they have like a popularized kind of popular conception of of Dungeons and Dragons. They've heard of it because just about everybody's heard of it. Or they have no conception. They don't know like what they're supposed to do at all. And how do you get them to get started in it? And um, I do like a little mini game up front is what I used to do. I remember I used to say, okay, imagine this. Imagine that there is a, a monster, and you see a, a like you're sitting here, and you, you see a door next to you. The door is open. You can see a tendril moving its way into the door. Um, you hear sliding noises. So you, you're describing something that's going on. And, uh, and then I say, All right, what would you do in that situation? Just tell me what you would do. And they would say something like well i would just like run or i would scream for help or i would uh, i'd get something to fight it with and i'm like there you go now we're doing it you just did it and that that's very dungeons and dragons as you have that call and response but if you can put somebody in that imaginative space uh, the rest to me is not as important the rules or the system or Whatever it is. If somebody can start in their imagination you can do just about anything. But if they can't do that, you, you that's like a showstopper.
0: Right. That I think that's the first step is is being able to convey, you know, what role playing is or, or what the game is consistent of and I think a good touchstone for me whenever I'm approaching players is video games and movies. I think those are like the two things like, Hey, have you seen this movie? Have you played this video game? It's like that. Except we're not limited by a script, and we can literally do what we want to do.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's say that the communication has gone really well. Your friends and family, they're like, yeah, we get it. We're going to use our imagination and pretend to be people in an imaginary world. Great. And you work out a concept. Dinosaur racers... You're going to race dinosaurs on, a, on, on the lunar circuit in space 400 years from now because people do that. You know, like, this is what we're going to do in this game. Now you've communicated it, what do you do as a Dungeon Master? Like, what, what is the thing that you have to do to prepare it? Um, do you have to have a certain level of experience to do that? And how long does it take, and what do you absolutely have to do?
0: Okay, so dinosaurs and space game. I think I would start with uh, giving players options of picking their dinosaurs, and that's where I start. I I, like, okay, so yeah, big picture here. When you're starting to plan a game, it it just really depends on the game. Like, it's really hard to get really specific without getting really specific about the game that you were trying to prepare for.
1: Let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because I. All right. That's where many people start. That's how many people are going to start. They're gonna buy a Dungeons and Dragons thing. So let's say that you're gonna run Dungeons and Dragons and you're a new Dungeon Master. What is the thing you have, what what do you have to do? What do you gotta prepare? How long does it take? And is it possible to do that if you're brand new?
0: When I started uh, running RPGs, uh, I started by running a campaign. And my campaign is a homebrew sandbox campaign called Mythic Isles, and back then I would literally prep everything. Uh, I would I would take the idea of this uh, closed matrix, and I would spend... What does that What does
1: that stuff mean, though? Like imagine like this. They don't know what prep is or a closed matrix or like uh, w- what were you doing?
0: Yeah. So I would I would take a small portion of this uh, fantastical reality, and I would. Meticulously spend hours developing every square inch of it. I would go into wow. I would go into writing like the textures of the floorboards and everything, and every molecule of this fantastical place was written on on a notebook, and and it was like a a, a setting bible where I, I had everything planned out, and everything was was real and, and had this uh, quality to it, and spent hours doing that and I probably used 3% of everything that I had written and I had to uh, I had to develop a lot more on the spot when the game came to be because uh, turns out the players tend to go south when that's the only direction you haven't planned for. So you
1: prepared the whole world and the things that might happen in the world and then the players just did something that that you didn't plan for.
0: Yeah, I think that's how to summarize it. I think what I did was a lot of writing down character names of people that I intended for them to meet, uh, but then they didn't go the direction of those people. And I wrote down, you know, creatures that I thought they would fight and all the stats for them, uh, but then they never went in that direction. They went in their own direction. And it came to be that i found out that if i'm going to be prepping then i need to be putting my energy in the same place the players are putting their energy and you know it's a cohesive story right between the players and the gm so i think it like really comes down to you know the type of game you want to play i think if you're you know running curse of Strahd, then maybe you don't need to be planning all kinds of different stuff you can literally just plan like okay i'm Strahd's gonna be here uh i've got that settled uh, and then probably need, like, two victim names that he's probably going to be attacking, and you need, like, maybe two or three locations, and and those, then you're set. Like, that's all you need is a location, a, a couple names, and, and your stat's your bad guy, and you're good to go. What um, it really comes down to it is it's just, you know, prep what you need and, and don't overdo it.
1: Okay, so we'll go with the Curse of Strahd example so let's say you yeah okay you know that Strahd is going to be at his his manse, his his manor um, and this represents a sort of layer of this evil you know antagonist and then he has uh, his the reincarnated version of his lover um, Arena, and uh, Arena is somewhere nearby in a nearby village you know and then you've got like and then you have another village uh, that has, like, this innkeep. Maybe he knows some of the secrets of the world. Or maybe the nearby... The, the priest's son does. Or something like that. So you've got a few characters here. You're saying... Instead of continuing to go... Like... Alright. This town... So there's three towns. This first town has... Uh, it has a tavern keep. The tavern also has a... A worker. Uh, The tavern contains 12 different people in it that are there. Here are the names of the people. Here are everything they're doing. Here's the town priest. The town priest's son has been turned into a ghoul. He's in the basement. Uh, There are 12 other buildings here. Each building has a family. Instead of doing that, you're saying, all right, I absolutely need to know the antagonist. So I'm going to have him and his motivations, I'm going to put him in there. Because that type of game you need to know about the antagonist. And then I'm, I need to know what the antagonist wants, which is Irena. And then I have to hook them into Irena somehow, so I have a town where they can they can come in and I have somebody that can guide them. I have somebody that can hook them into this. So I absolutely need those three people. By the way, that's a, that's one way that you could do it. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> you yeah. have an antagonist. The thing the antagonist wants uh, sometimes you'd say what the antagonist wants is either something that the players have or the antagonist wants the players not to have something but they have to be at odds with the players player characters and then you can have a an npc that can act as a guide as in the hero's journey you know a gandalf or something. Or maybe something not so grand, but either way, it's okay to have an NPC show up and, and be a helpful NPC, as it were. So, okay, so you have these elements, and you only have three. And let's say that fits on one page, and someone has never ran an RPG before. What if they feel nervous and underprepared because they just have three names on a sheet now?
0: That's when I go to Broadstrokes. You have to use your broad strokes, and this is like a technique that I learned uh, re- recently speaking in my RPG experiences. Using these big premise, big picture ideas to fuel every smaller idea. Um, so, uh, Sly Flourish has their ten rules, their ten secrets, right? And you can you can use that method of write down ten things. That are just true about the world uh and you can use those 10 things to inspire your game uh but it doesn't have to be 10 it can literally be three you know it it could be 25 it can be however many you feel like you need confidently to um run your game excuse me uh but what i would say is yeah you need broad stroke ideas so uh like you said uh is fueled by this uh want to be with his lover I think you could add, you know, some type of bigger picture idea of you know love being like the driving force, and you can engrave that into other areas of the game, uh, and, and that creates this moment of foreshadowing, that creates this uh, feeling of gets all the players on the same train, like gets all the players in the idea of like oh, love is like this driving force in this world, and it's like a, a major motivation for a lot of people. Um, and, it, and it adds this humanizing aspect to that villain. And that's kind of one of the reasons that he's such a great villain. Uh, but yeah, broad stroke ideas. Like, oh, can you give me some examples of what some broad stroke ideas would be for a Curse of Strahd game? All
1: right, yeah, I'll try that. Um, so let's see. Got Curse of Strahd, Barovia, the antagonist is Strahd. Uh, I, I haven't read through the entire module. It's been a long time since I've looked at Ravenloft as well so some of this will be made up but let's make it up so first of all Strahd himself wants something so he represents a what in dungeon world they called a front um, as if there are like a weather front moving through you're not exactly sure what the weather is going to be like but you know that this force is moving through in the world and it's doing things and wants things when you have this big broad stroke you're talking about and you understand that, when something happens in the world, you can improvise. So to even go further back, in the end, you have to be willing to take the risk of improvising. And it's a skill, and you learn it, and you learn it more and more and more, but you could just do that. You could just make it all up and improvise everything. So of course, that sounds pretty scary. It sounds scary to me, and I did not do that for tonight's game. yeah i ran traveler tonight um but i had to improvise a lot um but what you can do is create things that make that improvisation really much easier um so uh what a lot of people would say is prepare the thing that you cannot or do not want to improvise this big front What you can do is, if you understand the fronts of the world, you understand what could naturally happen, and you can convey that and improvise it. Whereas if you haven't thought about that or don't have it prepared, you'll have a lot more ums and ahs, a lot more pauses. You'll have to take a look and stop. If you're using a module, you'll have to flip through it more. It's going to move slower, and it will feel more uncertain. It'll still work, but it'll be much smoother, if you have a really good understanding of the world. And one way you can do that is by understanding the big forces in the world. And I would even say... um, You know, like tonight's game, that's sort of what I did to prepare the game. I had, uh, instead of what Sly Flourish calls the Ten Secrets of the World, he stole that. The ancient masters of the tabletop hobby would say that it's just the rumors. It's the rumor table cool thing about the rumor table is that the rumors face the characters uh, which is an interesting thing instead of it just being the world and then the dungeon master or the referee has to say okay i know this thing about the world how does it fit into the character How how do i give that give that to the character a rumor table says this is what the character would experience by talking to someone by asking around, or by eavesdropping, or by naturally experiencing it in the world. And so, I make a list of six rumors. And they're, it's best to make rumors that are, like, dramatic and interesting, that can pull you into the world or give the player character something that they might want. Uh, but it could be something like, there is an ancient lord that sits within the manor at the top of the hill. Um, it is said that sometimes he invites people in for a dinner, but they never leave. So that would be one. And that would be f- player-facing. The secret of that would be that Strahd invites guests and toys with their souls to trap them for eternity within his domain of dread. You know, Another rumor would be an ancient weapon of power, of holiness, has been left within a, uh, uh, a nearby church Um, unfortunately, it has fallen to some fell power. And so no one has been able to use it to free the land. You know, and you have like six of these things. And if you know that that going in, you already know things that drive the world just like you would your own world. Like in your own community, if you know, like, (laughs) this is going to sound really mundane, but if you were to try to imagine what was happening in your own hometown... And you're like, all right, it's 3 o'clock and you're on your street. You'd be like, oh gosh, 3 o'clock, that's when school lets out. You're not going anywhere on that street. And you would just know that. Because you know that about your world. So if you can do that with a fantasy world, you'll just naturally be able to convey and talk about that as well. uh, As if it were real. So six secrets. And then uh, I think it's good to have what you're talking about. These broad strokes are six factions. And every faction wants something. They're all doing something. So they're Strahd. Um, there could be um, a witch hunter or a vampire hunter. Maybe that's a front. Uh, maybe um, the undead. Uh, or perhaps the uh, the afflicted beasts of the wilderness who only seek to devour those who enter and leave the mists. Mm. You know. So you just list like six of those puppies out you got six secrets or six rumors, and then, um, you know, on top of that, if you're doing Dungeons & Dragons, I would do six random encounters that are grounded in that. Uh, And every so often, because that creates a clock, which is something we could talk about some other time, but, um, you know, every every hour or every two hours, you roll uh, a d6, and on a one, something happens. So it's not something where you're just doing it contrived all the time, but it's like an ecosystem. It's like something out there in the world. And maybe you have wolves, vampiric thrall, ghost, you know, and you have those things on that table. And with those three things, a table of six things that could happen, uh, six factions that are doing something, and six um, secrets or rumors, you have, to me, everything that you need.
0: Yeah, I think... If you could, like, if you have some of those and you get really excited about it, then don't feel like you need a limit to six, to six, though. Like, if you're like ghosts, and then oh, there's probably some victims too. Oh, what if the victims are still in love with Strahd, and then that that reinforces my love theme that I wanted to do. And then then the player characters are at this like, hey, we need to save you, but then they have like Stockholm syndrome and they don't want to leave. And like, what does that encounter look like? Like, like these ideas. Like, if you get excited about an idea, don't limit yourself to write it down and then if it doesn't come up then it doesn't come up but you know if you the more you have the better don't feel bad about prepping a lot if you are enjoying that process for some dms for some dms the prep is where they get a lot of joy from I I, i get a lot of joy from like thinking of it from like a bird's eye view like what if there was an encounter that was just a bunch of candy in a bowl but if you would touch the candy then the candy animates and then it wants to eat the player characters like that seems interesting to me and then that's just an idea that i can plop in any game at any time right so if you have an idea you know don't feel bad about doing like spending an hour and a half just writing down ideas uh you can improvise a lot but you don't have to i mean, you can have things prepared and and organized and 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 ready to you know display have have a little bit of a showmanship about it yeah that's that
1: i agree with that and i don't want to make it sound like prepping is a sin or something uh, rather um i have kind of two thoughts on that one is um one of my favorite bloggers and uh designers his name is travis miller he also goes by the grumpy wizard and uh he describes a a way of thinking about preparation that I really like and that is that preparation works like a grilled cheese sandwich you can add herbs you can have a three cheese blend you can have all kinds of fancy things that you add to your grilled cheese sandwich you can garnish it with all kinds of stuff but in the end you need bread and butter and cheese if you got that you can go. You go, You could have a great grilled cheese sandwich if you have those three things. And then everything else, you can just make it better. And the other thing that uh, another person that I really enjoy, what he has to say about prep. So there's this idea that there is the min- there is what you need to prep. And one of the things I did like about Sly Flourish's The Return of the Lazy DM was he said, Hey, well, here's a checklist. Do this. You'll have it done in 15 minutes. That was wild to me. First of all, the idea that it could literally just be a procedure. Like you could just do it, do the thing he's saying, and it will work. Right. And and I'm suggesting that right now, like understand your world, have six secrets or rumors, have six factions that are doing something, have six things that can show up every so often. Bam, you're done. You could probably knock that out in 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, you could probably prep that once and have multiple two to four hour gameplay sessions without even changing it. On top of that, though, you can have fun and embellish it. And there's a guy named Kevin Crawford. He, he made a game called Stars Without Number, Wolves of God, Worlds Without Number. Uh, those I'm actually going to include that in the description. The Worlds Without Number book, it's free. In that book, he says... Prep what you have to prep, then prep until you're not having fun. Mm. So just like prep what's fun, but obviously you have to do what you have to do. Uh, And if you can just improvise it, because like, let's say I, I use Star Wars as an example. If you're a Star Wars nerd, like an absolute nut, and you know where all the cities are on Tatooine, all the major settlements... Moss Espa or Moss Isley, you know all those different mosses, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and you've seen the layouts and you've played Battlefront two back in the day and you know where every building in that place is. And you think you could just like convey that to a friend, hey, don't worry about it. Don't write anything down. But, you know, like anything else, if like if it serves to help to have a memory aid, you could write down six factions in Moss Moss Isley. The Imperial Army Regiment that's garrisoned, the Imperial Garrison. The uh, the scum that work for the Hut Cartel. Uh, the Hutt Cartel wants to try to squeeze out local businesses. The Exchange is uh, trying to become legit, and they're trying to develop a partnership with the Imperial Garrison. The Imperial Garrison wants a status quo. You know, and you do that for six factions, and you understand that. You don't have to have every detail. You do that 15, 20 min- minutes, bam, you're done. Everything else now, now you're just having fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get excited about the idea, and like, what if there's a speeder guild, and we have a bunch of speeder bike guys? And that- right, and that, that, wow, that sounds fun, a speeder guild. Yeah, and then you just have, like, that guys, but then then you're like, well, what, if there's a speeder guild, there's probably, like, Jabba problem, so maybe that's, like, the first encounter I need It's like, a Jabba infestation, and then- have all those guys show up with ion guns yeah i mean if you if you know it well enough to start going then yeah but if you if you need you guys start somewhere that's all it is you start somewhere and and wherever you are excited about or whatever you know about start there uh, and then just spend a little bit of time you know of of how you determine the time limit too like if, if you need an hour take an hour if you need 10 minutes take 10 minutes you know don't feel bad about needing more time or or only needing you know 10 seconds like I only need you know what you need and then you're confident about a thing you go you know
1: all right so you've been prepping these games for a while you said when you first prepped a game you prepped the entire campaign world you created sort of a Bible and you found that that Bible was not used uh, very much and <laughs> I, I did that just like a year and a half ago. I I did exactly that after years. I still created like a setting Bible. You know, it's funny. Every time I create a setting Bible, it doesn't get used. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm like, ah, I'm not really sure. And then I go in, like this deep lore evolves out of it. I'm not saying that's how to do it or not how to do it. I don't, I just, I don't know what that is. But, um, but anyways, um, what are some things now that, so after all of these years of having done this, what are some things that you would say, like, here are some good tools, like this is a good thing to do, and then what are some misconceptions about preparing a game after you decide to get started being a referee or a dungeon master or a game
0: master? So, man, good tools. Uh, I think... Uh, Name generators and just having names is very useful Uh, for me and the way that I Run things I can instantly think of an NPC and like what they're doing here and what they want and and All that stuff and then I'm like, well, what's their name? And then then I come up with some uh, Diddly and like oh, this is diddly and then the next character. Oh, this is daddly his brother and I, I have a problem with names So I think name generators and having a list of names is very useful But I mean
1: what are some tools that you use? First of all, I want to applaud that one. Man, that's tough for me. I always have a name generator up. Uh, You could either have a table of names or a name generator, but I I just can't do that. But Tables of things are great, and different games have, like, just lists of tables. I have tools and games uh, that just like, like, I interviewed Jim Park and, and we had mentioned any planet is earth and it's just like a list of like three pages of tables like here's a table that's just like a six by six roll 2d6s to get a conspiracy a name of a starship uh the planet's name um the planet's atmosphere what the corporation does the, the evil corporation on the planet um what trade good gets trafficked through this area like i mean imagine just like stuff like that and then when it's is genre focused so i, I I'll, I'll 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 name drop any planet as earth for that because of the list of tables and there, there are other games that are just like lists of tables of cool stuff like maze rats and knave and blackhack and shadow dark and they just have big lists of tables like shadow dark is uh like you could you could hypothetically if you have about five minutes like say well there's a settlement over there and you don't even have it generated yet and in about five minutes you can have a full settlement with a marketplace a a guy that works at the marketplace and d4 by d4 interesting customers at the marketplace right and man that's really handy to and like the name of the tavern and the food that the tavern is selling and how much it costs and the rival advent So, having that stuff that is a, a tool set, uh, tables. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just took your idea and i just expand that. Like, tables are just great.
0: Yeah, and I think some games are, are the tables. Uh, like you said, I think Shadow Dark is a good example of like this game is best shown through the tables. Um, another good example, one of my personal favorites, is actually uh, the Mythic GM emulator. Uh, this tool oh, that one's great. This tool that's designed for solo play is actually fantastic um, for improv- improvising um, anything. The, the amount of context you can add to that is just outstanding. Um, these 2D100 tables can just give you everything you need um, in any circumstance. Uh, uh, I think uh, random number generators uh, besides dice can also be fun. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if you have a deck of playing cards uh, or tarot cards, I think those can be fun oracles to use. Um, so, yeah, I think an oracle is a good tool.
1: What's um, an oracle? Uh,
0: can you explain what an oracle is? I don't know if I can without being too pedantic.
1: Uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. I think an oracle is just like a. Some kind of mechanism that tells you what's going on, like an like a magic eight ball. Like a magic eight ball, you shake it and it'll be like, well, "I don't know about that," or, "Yeah, keep on going," or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Positive reinforcement clear, or clearly negative. just
1: re- clearly a connoisseur of magic eight balls here. Like I just recently used one, obviously. Right. Yeah. But no. No. Um,
0: yeah. So I think any time you need more input. Um, You can use an oracle to uh, help you along or help you change your mind. Um, Because if you have a good idea that this, uh, you know, prison cell is locked, but you have this thought in your mind like, what if the prison cell is not locked? And you roll a die or you read an article and it tells you, oh yeah, it's not locked. Then you're like, why is it not locked? And immediately your brain can start racing of why is this the way it is? Uh, and, And it makes this mystery that you get to follow along with the player characters. Um, yeah, and I think that's something special. Uh, a tool that I use uh, now—I've just recently fell in love with—is actually the hazard die. Um, the D6 yeah, that's had, fun. The D6 hazard die is great. Uh, we actually—you helped me write a uh, D12 hazard die for my personal setting. In um, each entry, and it is like its own thing, and it—it ha- it just helps so much of add context and nuance um, that I couldn't otherwise have on my own.
1: Yeah, um, okay, so what would you say is a major misconception about preparing your first game
0: or preparing games? I would say that you need to have answers at all. Uh, you know, yeah! Because uh, uh, you don't need to know how it's going to play out. You don't need to know, you know the AC of every monster. Uh, you don't need to have everything laid out. You can have things, you can improvise things, you can make mistakes, and it's okay. It, it's it's alright. <laughs> Yeah, that that's
1: actually a good starting. I, I mean, I so agree with that. You can start with the assumption that you can just make some stuff up and present interesting situations for your friends off the top of your head, and it will still be it'll still be good. Like actually, that's probably a good starting place. And then on top of that, from there, then you can say, well, yeah, um, you can prep something simple so that you have something, and then from there, just as long as you're having fun you can yeah. just add the dressing and stuff on top.
0: You know What else prep can be? Prep can just be stealing things that already exist. Yeah, I agree with that too. You can just take a module and wholesale run it. Um, I don't know if you even knew this, but I ran a uh, salt marsh for you and you I don't think you knew about it.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think I did.
0: <laughs> I've actually I've actually this is how well I did it. Sorry. I, I just want to say this is how well I've done. I've actually ran the same exact module for you 3 times and I don't think you noticed any of the time. <laughs>
1: That is red. That's pretty red. Yeah, I, uh, that is pretty wild, and and that is a great use of modules. I will say, uh, I'm gonna give my opinion here. Uh, the brand Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition modules are not good for what you're describing. Uh, I, that's a that's an opinion of mine. Uh, however, a lot of modern modules, uh, and I'll drop a few here. Uh, They have straight up made me lazy Mm -hmm. Like in terms of how easy they are And how I can just like open them And just use them And not prepare anything else Uh, Shadow of Tower Silver Axe By Jacob Fleming Everything Jacob Fleming has written Like you can just open it and use it Maybe skim through it one time And then just allow yourself to be surprised Right along with the players And it just runs itself Uh, There are all sorts of adventures like that Oh, the Black Worm of Brandonsford. That's that's almost like something I would just tell people to start with. It's so easy to run. Um, and it is just like, here's a bunch of interesting situations. Uh, and that's all you need. Yeah. Um, I- I'll tell you what I think is a big misconception. That it is people will take this emphasis on simplicity that I'm giving. And they'll see it as condescension. They'll say, oh, well, you don't think I'm smart enough. And the truth is the opposite. That the secret to me to getting started is both simplicity and eventual mastery of tabletop role-playing game preparation is then finally in simplicity. It starts there, it ends there. Simplicity is actually elegance and a good thing it's not um so when i say start simple i'm not actually saying you're not able to do something complicated i'm saying that that is a mark of doing it well (laughs) right yeah Uh, is when you can be simple and uh that matt colville kind of describes what he would suggest as a as the ideal starting point justin alexander is another person that Talks about this being kind of where he would suggest people start in his new book. So you want to be a, a, a game master, cave with goblins in it. Yep. And that's it. It's Just a cave. In there too. Maybe three rooms. So here you go. You got three rooms: room one, two, and three. And they could literally be in a line to start. And this is what I'm talking about. How it sounds condescending. It's not. If you if you can do this, then then suddenly you'll find yourself in a two-year-long campaign you can't get out of. Like, if you just do this. is room one, two, three. They have goblins in it. And that's a problem because blank. That's a problem because the innkeeper's daughter was taken captive. And so they have somebody back there that they have captive. It's a problem because the local witch is using the goblins and experimenting on them. And they have a strange power. You could you you could make this up. You could look it for it in a movie. You need a twist. There's goblins in a cave, and that's a problem because blank. And and yeah, give throw some treasure in there.
0: Yeah, and then you're good. That's all you need. I, I, this yep. is this is the man. You're so on point by saying like it's an elegant thing to have simplicity because sometimes like if you're starting simple, uh, there are multiple times where i have not prepped enough and i have kind of had to tread water to keep my game afloat um it's not something that you can nail every time you know sometimes you're going to need more prep than you would have you know uh, thought you did uh because you know you you prep one thing and players go the other way now you gotta kind of think on your feet like oh this is this is somewhere i didn't i didn't think we were gonna go so let me just try to throw this together real quick and you know having the elegance of knowing what tables you need what oracle you need what what tool to pick up and use that is that comes with experience and that's and and knowing when you can just make it up and when you need help um is a good place to um recognize like that i think that's like where i would start is if you are a new dm uh gm referee whatever and you are starting to run a couple games uh, recognizing where you need help and where you don't is how you can improve your prepping um, and make it more efficient in the future
1: yeah and actually this kind of keeps getting brought up anytime people talk about preparation though we will always mention well the players might do something unexpected and um that's true uh actually that's a good thing that's actually the engine that makes the whole thing work obviously but it's also okay like So we're talking about people that they've never done this ever, right? It's okay to actually say, to give a premise. To like hand a premise to them and say, You're here to rescue this child. You're here to get treasure. Especially if you're doing an old school renaissance game, which I think uh, many of those are the easiest way to start Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, It is good to actually say, Listen, you get experience points and you win this game. By finding treasure and making it out alive. On that premise alone, a dungeon full of interesting situations, treasure, and a random encounter table. Suddenly you have everything you need and almost need to prep nothing. Um, and just the gameplay procedures. But that premise could be something else too. So like we're doing a one shot right now of White Star RPG, which is a science fiction RPG. And it's linear. It's uh, They're going to a planet and there's a evil sword that they have to get. So I just told them uh, and that, that I think that's like an unspoken thing. Uh, just you know because this is a one-shot I was just like you were here because you were like in this big inter- intergalactic war and you're trying to deny this evil empire this dark weapon and you know where it is and you're just you're going to go there and you're going to try to get this dark weapon and then the story becomes about the choices they make. It's okay to have a linear thing and if it is linear present the premise and then on that premise allow them to make whatever choices they want. So it's linear it's not a railroad. Um, now, uh, that's a good starting point. Uh, you don't have to do that but th- I think it's okay to. Uh, and then from there it is magical when you open up the world and you can say you all tell me what you're going to do now. Like right. that, that's, a re- that's a really magical thing to do. But it's okay to start with a premise and say, "You're here to kill this bad guy. You're here to save this person. You're here to get this treasure, or whatever."
0: Yeah, we're here to race dinosaurs in space. Yeah, like if yeah. you if you have your premise, uh, then yeah, you can you can really begin to understand like what's necessary to prep, what's not necessary to prep, and and where the players can make that preparation for you, like where the players can to decide the narrative, um, and yeah, like you give them a list of dinosaurs to pick from say hey we're here to race dinosaurs but you let them pick how they race you let them decide maybe who goes out of bounds in the track and, and what's defined as they go out of bounds Like yeah. this, those type of things can be really fun and, and getting to explore that with them I think is one of the key things that what I enjoy about DME is when things do go off the rails so to speak Yeah. yeah
1: yeah, and I mean in session two and three, it's also okay. Here's some other things that people, I think, are kind of misconceptions. It's okay, and then in session two, to say at the end of session one, all right, where do you what do you want to do next time? Right. And then they'll say we're gonna go check out that castle, and then and then you'll you it's okay to say, all right, next session, we're gonna go check out the castle, and you and and you do that, and and they're your friends, and you're playing a game together. Um, it wouldn't feel any better if, like, the players were like, "We want to check out the castle." And the dungeon master showed up the next time. And they're like, "Actually, I have this completely different game." And yeah, that would, the truth that is, would be the, awful. The, yeah, yeah, it'd be awful. And so it would be awful, likewise. So the dungeon master is also a player. So it's okay to ask questions and communicate and be like, "Well, you all wanted to go to the castle. That's that's what I uh, that's what I've leaned into. So let's do that this time. And then, if you want to do something else next time, just let me know what you want to do next time." And, um, and it's okay to verbalize all that and actually say it out loud.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that people don't talk about a lot is like, man, I kind of just want this magic sword. And a DM has a very different idea of what getting that magic sword looks like. Um, and sometimes there can be a bit of a miscommunication there between like, I, I thought we we're just going to have a you know, a shopping montage and, and we never I forgot to go shopping. I was going to go shopping. And, Uh, the DM maybe had a very different understanding of what what they thought attaining the magic items looks like and and what this world is and and having to step back away from the game and, and just have these discussions about larger pictures for the game too I think that could be a healthy way to go about it too.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So, all in all if you're brand new I think it's possible to prepare I think it's fair to say you could prepare a excellent tabletop role-playing game session, and I bet it can be done in 15 to 20 minutes if you've never done it before. And if you spend your, as you called it, your shower thoughts, your you're away from the table time thinking about it, and you build on that, uh, you just have an even better session. Um, yeah. And you make stuff for it if you if you you know whatever brings you a lot of joy. Your players will end up finding the joy that you've put into it and they'll end up loving it more for that. So
0: Yeah, everything think uh, you can just steal things whole face and, and like change one or two things, scrape scrape the numbers off and, and use it. Oh man, them too. yeah. That is me. I just
1: I I'm so lazy now. I just wanna pay someone else to do it. <laughs> Because I've been so spoiled by such great game designers and adventure writers and stuff. But okay, so uh, Jake, thanks a lot for hanging out with me and talking about role-playing games. Um, As usual, you can find us on YouTube. We have an actual play channel where you can join our games and uh, listen in on the our our games that we play together. Uh, We also have a Discord which uh, is where we actually, it, it is our play club and that's where we actually play our games. I'll include that in the description
0: below. Oh, is this new? This You have this, uh, I haven't ordered this before in the Cozy Co menu. Is this new? I want to order this one. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, chicken dumplings, <laughs> that's, that's Ch- exciting. I want some chicken I'm dumplings. I'm hungry, oh man. I didn't know Cozy I mean, Co updated their that 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 menu, that's, that's great. Excuse me, can I order one of these? Do we have any of these right now?
1: Chicken I, th- I think they're closing up. Uh, of course, of course. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're we're pushing things. Oh, maybe here, next
0: time. I'll order that next time. Maybe.
1: I think they'd be used to us by now.
0: Oh well, they'll get used to me eventually, I guess. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> no, right, yeah, great <laughs> yeah, you too. Mythic Mountains
1: RPG is a private online play club that focuses on folk RPGs. Folk RPGs are the games that belong to all of us. They're what actually happens at a table between friends. It's their voice that has the authority on what is fun and what works for them. Weekly, we upload our games to allow others to sit in with us. The channel isn't monetized. We don't own the artwork, music, software, or games shown in these actual plays, and you can find links to their authors in the description. Like, subscribe, and share if you wish, or don't. Just like games in person, welcome to pull up a chair, set in, and watch some of our games. No performances, no fancy equipment, just regular people playing folk, pencil, and paper role-playing games and having a good time. We hope these games will prove a source of enjoyment to anyone just wanting to listen in, anyone looking for examples of how actual groups run and play folk RPGs, and most importantly, if you haven't found your group yet, you're welcome here at ours.